This episode of Shaking Spears was sponsored in part by the UJ Student Marketing Department. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined. What I want to get into with Dwayne and Brian now um, is in terms of that relationship is it does become antagonistic at times. Uh, the way that we play it, there's some physical slapstick comedy and <laughs> we're quite literal on the slap part of slapstick from <laughs> Dwayne to Brian uh, in some of those scenes. But what's interesting for me is the fact that uh, Rodrigo, of all people, actually seems to be the one who questions Iago the most in terms of, are you actually doing what you say you're doing? Iago goes into manipulation mode and quickly turns you around. But mm. with Othello, it's essentially um, one speech before Othello's mind is entirely turned around to believing that Desdemona uh, is cheating on him with uh, Cassio in particular and every man in the regiment in general. Um, with Cassio, he doesn't question Iago at all. Not until the very last scene when he comes on, and um, this has all been revealed now. Emilia questions why he'd want the handkerchief, but doesn't ask any further. All he says is, I have use for it. And so I just want to delve into that idea of Rodrigo being the only person who actually stands up to him and challenges him. And um, although we've got this cut as a line in our production, in the full text, with Rodrigo's death, there is a letter found in his jacket pocket which incriminates Iago for everything that he has done and lets the whole world know what his part was in um, all of these actions. So, yeah, um, I don't know who wants to go first, but just talk to me about that weird sort of frenemy antagonism leading along manipulation thing of beauty and hilarity. Uh, go, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go Brian. Go Brian. I will. I actually I will because I I do think I think um, uh, Rodrigo's plight is a little bit more immediate because there has been a this is the the goal the goal is to win Desdemona over and there's a bit of a timeline. Oh, now they're getting married. Ha! Huh. This has put a, a spanner in the works. But no, says Iago, don't worry, just do what I tell you. Then the next thing we hear, they're off to Cyprus. Another timeline. Don't worry, this is what you must do, follow them to Cyprus. And, and each time there's a bit of a timeline, and I think the immediacy of Rodrigo... there's a lie that they're Rodrigo's... going off to Mauritania. Um, exactly! <laughs> but the immediacy of, of Rodrigo's need, as it were, makes him challenge Iago a lot more than the manipulations that Iago has with other people because those are just speculation here a little suspicion there it's just a it's a longer term manipulation okay. rather than these quick fixes that have to happen with Rodrigo right yeah I agree with that because the timeline is the timeline is a lot further because you've got to understand that the thing with Rodrigo starts before the play starts so he's already giving Iago money to try woo Desdemona on his behalf. Mm. Um, and that's where we start with the play. So there's already been a history between the two of them. So 
in terms of cons, as it were, this is the long game for Iago. It's this is the longest he's been playing with one individual person. He only starts playing with the rest of the play with everyone else throughout the play. Before that, he kind of leaves them alone, doesn't really do anything. But now he's been playing with Rodrigo the absolute longest, and he just keeps dragging him along. Um, and it's through simple things. I think Iago is one of his biggest things is he knows exactly what other people want. And with Rodrigo, it's obviously Desdemona, and he knows that he doesn't like Othello, so that every time he gets questioned, he can bring around to back to, no, but I don't like Othello. These are the reasons I don't like Othello. Yeah. So you can trust me because we both don't like him. So, you know, do this, give, give me some money, follow me to Mauritania, as if it were, but not there, <laughs> to Cyprus. Um, and, you know, he can just keep playing this long game, but because it's been such a long con, he gets questioned and he gets questioned. And because now there's, you know, he, he basically lost. Yeah. So in the very beginning, Rodrigo's like, how do you know about this? They're getting married. Um, you know, you're supposed to woo this woman for me, and she's getting married. And he's going, no, it's someone fine. else. It's not going. It's not <laughs> going to last. Don't worry, it won't last. She'll and I think get that's, tired of him. Yeah. I think that's the important thing is that that Rodrigo wants to see the fruits of these His decisions being made. He, yeah, exactly. It is an investment. It's, and 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 for me, it it kind of plays into the idea of a sunk cost fallacy. Now, I don't know if any of our uh, audience any of our listeners or viewers are aware of it but a sunk cost fallacy is the idea of well i've put so much time effort and finance into this thing that i can't give up now because otherwise it would be a waste of all that time effort and finance so this far along and particularly once they reach cyprus because by that stage rodrigo has literally sold his land he sold everything before He's he arrives in cyprus the last thing he says is i'll go sell all my land He's on the bones of his... That um, thing, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's at this stage, it's do or die. He has to marry Desdemona or else he is literally penniless, landless, and probably, if I know any sort of high society or gossip-mongering society like the Venetians probably were in the noble circles, he's lost a lot of face. He's probably covered in shame by now. So he literally cannot return to Venice unless he does so with Desdemona at his side. In fact, he is still in Cyprus, living under some bridge. (laughs) (laughs) To this day. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's important also to um, realize that the character of Rodrigo is really just a cipher. Um, He's there because it's through him that we're exposed to Iago's um, workings. And um, and he's not bright, so it's a dream for Iago to manipulate him. Um, when he does eventually stand up for himself, it takes him about four seconds to be pulled back into line. And it's important to realize that he loses his use for Iago um, at, at some point. Uh, it's really interesting. Act 5, scene 1, or during Act 5, scene 1, at the top of it, Iago says, now, if he kill Cassio or Cassio kill Cassio him, kill either him. way, he makes my game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He, he, well, he's, he's done with Rodrigo. He, yeah. he doesn't want him around. He's threatened to tell Desdemona what's going on. Uh, he's, he's served his purpose. He's no longer rich. So he can't pay you any money. So, so, yeah. so there he, yeah, he's done with him. Um, and I think what's really interesting about their relationship and the speeches between them is that we see how how Iago thinks on his feet. 
so quickly. Um, so much of it is not planned. An opportunity arises and he seizes it. And that's, that comes through very much with the speeches with Rodrigo. And it's just really helpful for us to understand the extent of Iago's genius um, in terms of being able to just pull things out of the air and make them work for him. Now, this actually plays into the next thing that I was going to ask. Um, and that is uh, calling Rodrigo a cipher, yes. But how honest do we believe uh, even Iago's uh, what, what seems to be confessions, and even if we are treating Rodrigo as a cipher, how honest can those interactions be compared to these soliloquies direct to the audience, which are complete and utter screenshots of the brain, if you will, mm. um, being delivered straight to us and showing us as close to any motivation that he may have or as close to no motivation because those seem to change from speech to speech. Um, so I don't know who'd like to tackle that first, Claire or Dwayne. Um, but yeah, do, do how much do we feel these interactions are honest in terms of his confessions to Rodrigo? Mm, I'll go. I think partly. <laughs> um, as I said earlier, Iago knows who he's dealing with. So specifically in the very opening, you know, uh, Rodrigo, uh, what did you say? I take it most unkindly that thou should know this, blah, blah, blah. And so Iago initially starts by defending himself. He goes, no, but you know, you know me. I, I didn't know this. I don't, I don't like Othello. I don't have a reason to, these are the reasons I don't like him. He's, I don't, I'm not on his team, I'm on your team. So as much as he reveals certain things, he's playing to Rodrigo. He's playing to what he thinks he wants to hear. So it is partly honest, but at the same time, it's very much what he wants to hear. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Iago is well aware that Rodrigo can't really hurt him. Um, so he can be a little bit more um, his own base self around Rodrigo, um, which I think he probably finds very welcome because he has to put on a completely different persona for people like Othello and his superiors. Mm. Uh, I think Emilia probably gets to see quite a lot of you know, what isn't written um, sides of him because that motivates her speech towards the end of the play. Um, but he, Rodrigo is not a threat to Iago at all at this point. And so he doesn't have to be as guarded. Um, I still don't think he speaks the honest truth and I think exactly what Dwayne said is right. He, he, he uses what he has to to win Rodrigo over and some of it is true, some of it's not. Yeah. Yeah. He plays to his audience. Whoever mm -hmm. his audience is, he mm -hmm. plays to that so he will reveal enough truth for that particular audience but i he doesn't speak the absolute truth to anyone mm. not even to the audience watching i don't think there's no, certain aspects where where he might reveal lots of intriguing truth to the audience watching but how much of that is also to win them over well, That's the question, the answer to that question is, <laughs> the, the answer to that question really is that everybody, everybody likes Iago, audience yeah. wise. Speak for and yourself. And so that is the, the answer to your question. He wins the audience over as well. Yeah. Um, everyone loves this villain, everyone. They do, um, because so. everybody wants that, that bit of genius. Everybody yeah. loves yeah. that. And, and we all aspire to be that clever, to be that quick thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So in yeah. the same way, in the same way that he's seduced Othello, seduced Rodrigo, seduced Cassio, so he seduces every audience member, and it's a genius in the writing. 
Yeah. I think you can also see that he doesn't tell the full truth in that. So when he's defending himself in the beginning, he's talking about how he didn't get the lieutenant tenantry. He doesn't mention that he thinks Othello slept with his wife. No. He mentions that only to the audience. But then again, that's not as important because when he mentions that Cassius possibly slept with his wife, he hasn't made an out-and-out thing to attack Cassio. Yeah, there's, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's not, a tenuous not motivation link. to do um, what he's doing. It's just a link. Mm. Um, so you can see that he is hiding certain information from yeah. Rodrigo, They're even just only, from the speech. If my memory serves, there were only two moments in the play that he brings it up. That first one in terms of, I suspect Cassio with my wife as well. And then later, and this is even a bit of a stretch, um, uh, Cassio, a fellow damned in a fair wife. Th those seem to be sort of the only two things that might gesture towards a suspicion about Cassio and Emilia. Anyway, mm -hmm. folks, on that note, uh, let's cut away to that promised piece of the scene uh, so that we can see if we can find Brian's missing line. <laughs> Tosh, never tell me. I take it much unkindly that thou, Iago, who has had my purse as if the strings with thine shouldst know of this. Blood, but you'll not hear me. If ever I did dream of such a matter, abhor me. Thou told me thou did hold him in thy hate. Despise me if I do not. Three great ones of the city in personal suit to make me his lieutenant of cap to him. And by the faith of man, I know my price. I'm worth no worse a place. But he, as loving his own pride and purposes, evades them with a bombast circumstance, horribly stuffed with epithets of war, and in conclusion, None suits my mediators. For certes, says he, I have already chose my officer. And what was he? Forsooth, the great arithmetician, one Michael Cassio, a Florentine, a fellow almost damned in a fair wife, that never set a squadron on the field, nor the division of battle knows more than a spinster. Mere prattle without practice is all his soldiership. But he, sir, had the election, and I, of whom his eyes have seen the proof at Rhodes, at Cyprus, and other grounds, Christian and heathen, must be believed and calm by debtor and creditor. This countercaster, he in good time must his lieutenant be, and I can't bless the mark. His moorship's ancient. By heaven, I rather would have been his hangman. Why is no remedy is the curse of service. Now, sir, bejudge yourself whether I am any just term and will find to love the more. I would not follow him then. Oh, sir, content you. I follow him to serve my turn upon him. We cannot all be masters, nor all masters cannot be truly followed. You shall mark, many a duteous and knee-crooking knave that doting on his own obsequious bondage wears out his time, much like his master's ass, for naught but provender. Oh. And when he is old, cashiered. Whip me such honest knaves. Others there are, who trimmed in forms and visages of duty, keep yet their hearts attending on themselves, and throwing but shows of service on their lords, do well thrive by them. And when they have lined their coats, <laughs> do themselves homage. These fellows have some soul, and such a one do I profess myself. For, sir, it is as sure as you are, Rodrigo. Were I the more, I would not be Iago. In following him, I follow but myself. Oh, what a full fortune does the thick lips owe if he can carry it thus. Call up her father. Huh? Rouse him. Make after him. Poison his delight. Proclaim him in the streets. Incense her kinsman, and though he in a fertile climate dwell, plague him with flies. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you just saw a little clip from the scene there, and we're actually going to call it there for this episode of the podcast. If you liked what you saw at the end there, remember to book. Our productions are available for online streaming. There is a link in the description below, so grab hold of that, and you can book for an online stream version of our Othello or our Hamlet 
or both, if that takes your fancy. Uh, again, big thanks to Dwayne Behrens, Brian Hiles, and Claire Mortimer for joining us for this episode of Shaking Spears. Machine used under license CCBY-SA 4.0. For further information or bookings, contact Doreen at thinktheatre.co.za. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined.